0: Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. I say that every morning. Because I mean it, we had this great opportunity to to talk to this wide variety of people, people who are investing significant dollars in this community or who want to, like like the conversation I had with Stuart Speed yesterday talking about the Gupport Town Center. If you missed that conversation, you ought to go listen to it. And I'd spend some time at the beginning, like the whole first segment, talking about the BP process. You know, when you talk about this, the BP settlement money that is now um, in the legislature that can be provided for projects, private pr- projects that can be transformative in nature. Um, I wanted to put it in a nice little buttoned-up package. So at the beginning of the show yesterday, I spent a, a whole segment talking about how that works. So if you're interested in how the system works, how the process works, and why it's important for us to be focused on transformational projects, go listen to yesterday's show. You can watch it on Facebook uh, at Super Talk Gulf Coast. Uh, Facebook page or super talk Mississippi Facebook page. You can go to super talk Mississippi YouTube channel or your favorite podcast. It's all there. And of course you can go to Supertalk.fm. I really encourage you to go to Supertalk.fm. You'll be glad you did. It's got a great news site there. You can see videos. You can go to coast View, You can, you can actually listen to my show directly from, uh, from the coast View segment or section from the, the, the super area. But anyway, um, Good stuff. We love celebrating Coastal Mississippi in every way. And uh, today will be no exception. We'll be, we'll be to our today's guest here in just a second. Hey, I wanted to share something with you from Stacy uh, Waldrop, my friend, who's one of the most positive people I know. She said this, how you make others feel about themselves says a lot about you. And I came from hashtag speaklife. but I, I thought that, that pretty well. Uh, let me uh, bring my Partner in crime, the producer of Coast View, Kyle Curley, into the conversation. Just say, good morning. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing really good. Man, Drew Brees finally retired. So
2: uh, forever. I think we finally figured out what was taking so long.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: We wanted to wait for that anniversary. I think it was like, uh, what, 15 years to the date that he signed with the Saints.
1: Yeah. And he had his kids, you know, his four kids announce it. I thought that that was pretty cool. And then uh, Jameis James Winston signed his one-year contract. So all this is starting to play out, just like Jeff Duncan, who's yep. with us every Friday, talked about. You're going to see a battle between uh, between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. And they may throw something in the wrench before this is over with, with another quarterback. We'll see. What are you hearing?
2: You know, I really don't hear from any of my folks over there in the offseason. But my gut instinct is that Sean Payton still wants to keep Taysom Hill as that switchblade and that they're going to bring another quarterback in just to elevate the game of Jameis Winston and have a backup scenario and keep Taysom for as long as they can as that switchblade until it's the time is right for him to take over as the starting quarterback.
1: For sure, for sure. Hey, we're lucky to have... My old friend, we used to work together, um, uh, Duncan. He's with us, Jeff Duncan. He's with us every uh, Friday. He uh, writes for The Athletic. He's also a columnist there. He's covered the Saints longer than anyone on earth, I like to say. And we enjoy our conversations with him, don't we, Kyle?
2: We really do. I look forward to that every week to find out what he has heard. Because a lot of times, it's sad. Mostly because working in the media, it's you get away from it, and that's the last thing you want to do is go find out what's going on in the media. So I didn't know that Drew Brees's kids announced that he retired. I found out from my son. Yeah. I never looked it up. I didn't. You know, that's it. 13, yeah. Walks down the hall. Drew rep- retired. I'm like, finally, <laughs> yay, we can move on.
1: Hey man, it's uh, it's good stuff. And Of course, now he's actually covering. Uh, or at least a columnist uh, about the Pelicans and with Zion Williamson doing his thing. It's been fun to talk to him about that, but just a smart guy. He's on the hall of fame selection committee and you can join us every Friday and Kyle likes it because you know, he's the guy who plays the music in the superdome during the saints game. So he and Jeff had this connection and you can see the little brotherhood there.
2: It's yeah. I kind of like it. It's one of those where I get a lot of insight of everything else that happens in the building through Jeff's eyes because there's a lot <laughs> that I don't see, but there yeah. is a lot that I do see. And yeah. that almost kind of completes the circle of what actually takes place in that place on a game day. Well,
1: you can join us every Friday and, uh, Hey Kyle, I'm not going to go into any details about it, but you probably saw where the Washington post had to do a correction about, um, what they said. Donald Trump said during the Georgia ele- elections to a, to a, lead Georgia elections investigator, uh, during a conference call. And it it turns out he didn't say that. And they had to do this long correction. And I wrote something on Facebook about it this morning. I'm deeply concerned about who you can trust in media anymore. I mean, mean, you and I talk about this a lot, but you know, social media is bad enough, but now we have, uh, organizations like the Washington post are doing uncorroborated, you know, um, you know, uh, people. (laughs) <laughs> who were who were who were coming forward and saying something happened and it ultimately two months later they had to say it didn't happen and the problem is they said it just before the election and it became this feeding frenzy just a real problem in america right now
2: i think a lot of those news organizations have turned into a social media machine um without kind of looking to see where they're walking they're yeah. just taking steps and bounds and hoping it right hoping it's right
1: yeah, un- unidentified sources and so on. This there's a, lot of, there's a lot of problems. And a lot of this is brought on by digital media, and I know that arena really well. But, hey, I would encourage people to go to the supertalkmississippi.fm uh, uh, page. Uh, you really will be glad you did. If you want to get Mississippi news you can trust, it's coming from the horse's mouth. So, so Supertalk Mississippi has the opportunity to talk directly to the governor, lieutenant governor, speaker of the House, and anyone else who's making news in this state. We don't have to go through uncorroborated sources to uh, find out what they think. We get it directly from them, and you can get that at supertalkmississippi.fm. Anything to add to that, Kyle?
2: No, Stephen, Kelly, and Andy, they all do a heads-up job. I really enjoy working with them, and alongside, it, yeah, head-to-toe, head great news organization with this company. So let's turn to page now. A couple of
1: quick quotes here. The greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. I have read that before, but that's Coretta Scott King. And then Margaret Weekly said th- this, there is no power for change greater than a community discovering what it cares about. And because we're so resilient in Coast of Mississippi, we've had to experience so many disasters. We have a better sense of what we care about in this community. And what I've said thousands of times, is that it takes a thousand points of light to make this happen? We got people who are, who are giving of their time to build a stronger community, and I have one of those people joining me today. Uh, someone I really look forward to having a co session with, and we're going to spend the rest of the show getting to know better, Cree and Trail. Come in on join in me, Cree. How are you doing, buddy?
3: Going great. Thank you all for having me.
1: It's good, good to see you. Of course, you're a financial advisor at uh, Edward Jones. You're an entrepreneur. We're going to get into some of that as we as we get into the conversation. You're deeply in, involved in the community, and we'll get involved. We'll, we'll get into some of that. You're the current president of the Biloxi Businessmen's Club, and as I mentioned to you out the air, of all the speeches I ever gave, you know, whether it be Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, or even on the national level, the most spirited, most interesting. Absolutely, they don't dodge the the toughest questions of place was going to the Blexi businessman club. I loved going there. Yeah. It it has just reputation for just calling it like it is. Don't they?
3: Yeah, we sure do. Um, you know, that, that predates me. I've been the president for, I guess, two years now. I've been a member for about 10 years. Um, but to, to kind of highlight what you're talking about, we had a speaker. I want to say it was, um, a law enforcement professional from Jackson County. I, I forget who it was. But at, at any rate, he showed up at the meeting and said, "Well, guys, I heard y'all are a pretty tough crowd." And then proceeded to put on a bulletproof vest before he started his speech. Um, <laughs> yeah. then it's it's kind of our shtick. We're proud of it. Um, yeah.
2: You know,
3: whether you're running for governor or county supervisor, um, those guys are going to take it to you. So it's a fun it's a fun career.
1: Well, you know it was interesting. I when I was president and publisher of the Timespeak Union and president of NOLA Media Group over in New Orleans. I, they invited me to come over and speak. And this is after I wasn't at the Sun-Herald any longer. And uh, I just loved the, the questions. I, I didn't give a big, long speech. I just turned it loose, and we did our thing, you know?
3: Yeah. Well, if you plan to do a big, long speech, they're not going to let you anyway. They'll let you know when it's time for you to be done talking and it's time for them to talk. Uh, so, again, it, it's a unique I'm in I'm in more civic groups that I can handle. And it's by far my favorite uh, for that very reason.
1: I, I and a great group of people uh, enjoying that. But you've been involved in the Rotary Club, or Keith Museum, the Blexi Bay Chamber. The list goes on, and you weren't just members; you were on boards. You were president of these organizations. We'll come back to all that in just a second. But one of the things I said to you off off the air is that and a lot of ways you kind of when you were younger you kind of reminded of me when I was younger and I want to I want to talk about you know kind of where you came from and all of that but we're coming to the end of this this segment but before we well I, I see that Kyle's already kind of th- given us the, the clock so when we come back what I really want to understand is what was it like living in Biloxi growing up in Biloxi went to Catholic school went on the Millsaps but where did that drive that I've always known about as it relates to you where did that come from and How did you stay so darn focused throughout most of your life? Um, I mean, this came at a very young age, I think. So when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Creed Cantrell and find out what makes this guy tick. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Coast You. We have Cree Cantrell. He's a financial advisor, an entrepreneur. He's actually at his shop now, the Epitome uh, at um, at the at Edgewater Mall. May may hear a little noise in the background, but that's actually commerce taking place as we speak, which is a really good thing. We said, tell them don't keep it down. The muffle of voices is fine. Everything's cool. I'm glad to. I'm glad that you're continuing to do business even as we do this conversation. So, so Cree, where did that drive come from? And what I perceived in you as a young man, was that just kind of like rooted in you and you just kept it or did you have moments when you didn't have so much focus? Tell me about it.
3: Yeah. I I appreciate the question, Ricky. And it's something, frankly, I think about a good bit. Um, you know, looking back on me as a younger man, um, I, I'd say probably 10, 11, 12 through, you know, maybe middle of college. Um, I was probably not a ton of fun to be around, quite honestly. Um, you know, I was pretty singularly focused on, on what I wanted my life to be. Um, at an early age, I don't know that I necessarily had a clear definition of career-wise what I wanted that to be, but I, I just wanted, for lack of better words, to be somebody. Um, you know, I come from a family of fairly modest means. Um, you know, we don't have a, a long established name here in the community. You know, you're not going to see any streets named after us or, you know, uh, community centers or anything. Um, you know, but I, I went to school with a lot of folks who who did come from that type of background. And so to a certain extent, I think I had just a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, quite frankly, um, which, as I say, goes back to what I originally said. I don't know that that made me a whole lot of fun to be around. Um, but, you know, the, the I guess the ends just by the means um, and, and to to. To better answer your question, Ricky, I, I can attribute probably 100 percent of that to my mother, um, Donna Cantrell. She is Mrs. Gulfport, Biloxi Airport. Uh, you've flown out over the last 10 years. You've no doubt seen my mother. Um, she was the one that, that really instilled the work ethic. Um, you know, neither she nor my father um, had had really any sort of advanced uh, degrees or anything like that. Uh, But my mother especially wanted much better from myself and my sister. So I'll give you two examples of kind of where that came from. I was thinking about it while we were off the air. I can remember from probably age six until 12 when science project time came around at Our Lady of Fatima where I attended elementary school. For about, I don't know, two to three months before the actual science fair, I was up in the living room every evening presenting my science fair project to my mother. Um, and we're not just talking about like a one time run through. We're talking about serious, you know, from beginning to end, building out the presentation. If it wouldn't if it didn't go right, go to my room, study it, come back um, so much so that, you know, I, I, I won the science fair pretty much every year. Um, the one year I did it, I mean, I was beside myself. I, I just <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned some of that in your own life with with your studies. Um you know, and that's a pretty formative experience. The other one that I'll mention to you, and this one probably leads more into what I do for a living now. When I was in high school or middle school, you know, Mercy Cross, uh, small private school, you're familiar with it. Um, anything that got done there had to be done on a volunteer basis by parents, you know, students, things like that. So somehow my mother got put in charge of doing the football program, you know, the, with the pictures, the players and the cheerleaders and the ads. And of course, it was a big fundraiser for the booster club and, and for the various athletic programs. So before she took over, I think the program grossed maybe 3500 bucks a year, something like that. So my mom, over the course of the summer, would load me and my sister up in the car, and we'd hit the road, literally going door to door, business to business, calling on folks to get them to place ads in the, in the football program. And lo and behold, that one year she went from like thirty five hundred in revenue to like fifty five thousand I mean, <laughs> the program went from like you know twelve pages to you know we're talking like three inches thick um and that's yeah i mean I, I was obviously very proud of my mother, but those are the kind of the lessons that stick with you over time you know so when it comes time for me to walk into a cocktail party when I need to talk to prospective clients, you know i I kind of picked up on that early on
1: yeah, it's so interesting. Well, first of all, Donna Cantrell, if you fly Delta Airlines, you know her. <laughs> She's taken care of all of us over the years. Uh amazing. Yeah. I, mean, I remember the last time we went to Croatia, we had a little hang up. We got there, and there was a hang-up in one of our flights, and your mother figured out a way <laughs> to get us to Croatia. Yeah. We had to we had to go through Amsterdam. That wasn't the original plan. And oh my gosh. She yeah. saved the day, and we, we were able to keep our, our vacation on on track, but she does that for everyone. I mean, she, your mother meets with a smile, and there's no problem that can't be solved. If it's solvable, she'll solve it. That's what you hear about it every day, isn't it?
3: Oh, it is. You know, I almost use her as a concierge program for my clients. You know, when they go fly out, uh, my mom makes sure to take care of them. Everybody gets a free drink ticket. She gets a great. Big- <laughs> as soon as they get on the plane, my clients are always texting me saying, Hey, my mom took care of you. And, you know, so it's just a nice little added benefit.
1: Well, she 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 is terrific, and you know, as you were describing like the science fair, I was thinking about my wife Anne and my kids, and kind of a similar situation, man. Just 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 driven. And Anne was like, um, you know, you can make a ninety-five, and that's good, but I, we expect you to make hundreds, <laughs> and that's that's right. the approach that she took. And I told you about a about a about a conversation I had with Mr. Stamps for people who went to JD back in the day. Mr. Stamps called me in once and I hadn't made a 92, I think it was the highest grade in the class. And I was about to have a nervous breakdown because I didn't do as well as I expected. And he told me to get a grip, you know, that I made the highest grade in the class or near the highest grade. And I need to I if I go on through life living like that, I'll I'll die young. You remember things like that. You 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 know, there we had to there are these people who make these impacts on it. Your mother for you. And then we I'm sure when you went to MillSAPs. You probably can name two or three really, really important advisors that helped you sort of begin to lock on what you wanted to do. Is that true?
3: It absolutely is. I was I was making a list of some. You know, I think a key throughout my life, or a recurring theme, if you will, has been kind of the power of, of finding good mentors, um, and, and and that started very early on. But it but it's in reference to your specific question at Millsaps, uh, sort of my was the dean of our business school. Was named Howard McMillan. Uh, he's a retired banking executive. He used to be the uh, the president of Deposit Guarantee Bank. Uh, I want to say they sold to Regions at some point, and then he came on board at Millsaps. Um, he called me into his office one day, my senior year, and just had a conversation similar to what we're having. Um, and said, "You know, Cree, you've done well here here at Millsaps. Uh, you know, you're uber involved, and just tell me what's the plan." And I said, "Well, you know, Dean McMillan." Um, My plan has always been I'm going to go to law school and I'm going to practice law for a while and I'm going to run for office. Um, And he said, you know, Chris, that sounds great, Um, and you can still do all those things. He said, but the last thing this world needs is another attorney. (laughs) And I (laughs) said, you know, I don't really have any sort of backup plan, Dean McMillan. He said, well, have you considered finance? Um, And I said, no, you know, I really haven't. My my degree was in economics, uh, so I was, you know, um, academically well suited for it, but it's just wasn't the plan that I laid out for myself. So we had a a, a pretty in depth discussion about it. I did go on and take the LSAT. Um, you know, it was okay. It was good enough to get in. Uh, but when it came down to it, I you know, partially because I was kind of burnt out with years and years and years of studying at a very high level, um, and partially through the advice of Dean McMillan, I opted to go into finance. And and as they say, the rest is history. It's been a been a rewarding career. But again, that I wouldn't have gotten to that point without having some mentorship um, by him him and others.
1: You know, I find this all the time and, you know, having conversations with people like you is a great opportunity to reflect about it because I think all of us who reached a level of success in our lives had tremendous mentors. I mean, I can name, I have a crystal clear memory of all of the people who mentored me along the way from one of my first bosses and Bobby Nichols at Mississippi power to, my last boss, at at least local boss, enrolled in weeks, um, and all points in between. I just, you know, the the role that mentors play, and some of the most successful people who worked for me did what you do, and that is they they sought out mentors. I always made as part of developmental programs for the people who worked for me to really have deep conversations about the people who were mentors, and it, it always helped to have somebody outside the business that could mentor you. And then you could. Has somebody be honest with you and they you know, they didn't literally have a role to play in your ascension or dissension. Um, they were someone who could just have a trusting relationship with you and share their wisdom and whatever. And that's really important. So for people, young people who are listening to this conversation, if you haven't sought out a mem- a mentor, uh, do so. It, it can really help change your life. I, I changed mine. And, and as you're pointing out, uh, create change yours as well. It's a really important aspect to development, isn't it?
3: Oh, it absolutely is. You know, and so from a from a young age, I attended every leadership conference there is both here locally, statewide and nationally. Uh, you know, things like Boys State, Hugh O'Brien Youth Leadership Conference, Boys Nation in D.C. And the theme of mentorship was really recurring. Um, every, you know, leadership 101 is find a mentor, you know, and, and At the time I was attending those various events, you know, for me, it was probably more of, you know, this looks good on my resume. Uh, This is kind of a checklist. I'm expected to do these sorts of things. So the the mentorship aspect probably didn't sink in until I got out of school and really realized how important that is. And I I cannot understate the power of of good mentorship.
1: Well, the developmental opportunities you were just talking about, being involved in Boy State and all of that, and uh, the accumulation of those things, whether you're there and you really understand what the purpose of being there is, the accumulation of all of those things start to really stack up after a while. As you get older and you get a little wiser, then you start to say, Whoo, man, that's pretty pretty powerful. I mean, that's an important part of me now, and I'm going to make that serve me as I go forward. This is Creed Cantrell. Um, A lot of people know Cree. He's uh, real active on social media. He's active in the community. He's a financial advisor and entrepreneur. We'll be back after this break and continue our conversation.
0: He's the former president and publisher of The Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coastview with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast
1: 103.1. Welcome back to Coastview. We're having a terrific conversation with my old friend Cree Cantrell. He's a financial advisor and an entrepreneur here in Coastal Mississippi. And he's deeply engaged in the community and has been for a very long time. So let's let's switch gears and start talking a little bit more about that, Cree. Where did that come from? And I, I, I guess I, let me go ahead and guess on the answer because we haven't discussed this. When you're involved in boys State and do all those things and you continue progressively getting involved, there's always an element that says, give back to the community, be involved in the community, make connections in the community, help build a better community. But did that come even earlier than that in your life? Tell, tell me about how that where that commitment came from. Sure.
3: You know, I, I hate to sound like a broken record here, but I've really got to go back to my my upbringing, uh, particularly with my mother's uh, influence. You know, from from a very young age, she made sure we took part in in really every community event that was out there. Whether it was, you know, I can recall being at the Coliseum painting the you know, the trash cans for the beach. Uh, now it was a contest for us to win the art contest, but the the real result was getting litter off the beach.
1: You know? Yeah, that was the Sun Herald paint a can contest. Yeah. I might add. There you
3: go. <laughs> Um, you know, we participated in little Mardi Gras costume contest as little kids, and and those things, you know, are they changing the world? No, but you know, as a ten year old child, it kind of started planting the seed of you know, this is just what you do as part of a community. Um, if you fast forward to my you know my Catholic education at both Our Lady of Fatima and Mercy Cross, that was just a component of of life there. We were just all expected to be you know, good members of the community, to volunteer. I, if I'm not mistaken, it's it's a little, you know, it's been a while, but I think we had a certain amount of community service hours we had to have to graduate. And then when you go on to Millsaps, um, you know, they, they integrated that into every core curriculum. Um, they have a tremendous track record of being really involved in the Jackson community. Um, and, and that was just expected of students in Millsaps. So so a lot of it has to do with the educational, um, you know, background that I receive.
1: So Biloxi Rotary, Rotary Club, board member, past president, Oral Keefe Museum of Art, trustee, past president, Biloxi Bay Chamber of Commerce, board member, past president, Biloxi uh, Businessmen's Club, current president. Then you were involved in the Biloxi Yacht Club and Keesler Air Force Base Honorary Commander program. And then, of course, the, you know, various Mardi Gras programs. But, You know, you've 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 given back, and you uh, you set a good example for others who want to give back. You're not interested in just being a member of these organizations, but you but you want a deeper understanding of the role that you can play to further the goals of those organizations in the community. So it's more than just being a member. It's more than just contributing through your membership. It's 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 wanting to influence the strategic direction of of an organization even, and um, and so I guess. I guess once you lead, you always want to lead. I guess that's the point, huh?
3: Yeah, it's it's a little bit addictive, I would say, Ricky. And I and I think you probably suffer from that same addiction, you know, watching your career and what you're doing now, even in retirement. You know, I, I was taught early on um, that if you're going to be a member of an organization just to put it on your resume or, or or just to go for the lunch every week, you know, you might as well just not be a member. You, you know, you're yeah. not really doing anything. Um I don't mean any disrespect to the members of the organizations that I'm in. Of course, we we got to have membership, but you know, if you want to affect change, you, you need to get intimately involved in the process. Um, yeah,
1: my, yeah. Well, my I was fortunate. I was fortunate because Roland Weeks always believed that that the leaders of our company should always be involved in the community. That the extent to which we are involved in diverse activities, whatever they might be that we are better in tune with what's happening in the community, and we can then also make sure that the Sun Herald sort of reflects the community to, to the best of our ability. Then as I got up further in my career, he, he said that a publisher wears three hats. You have the fiduciary responsibilities of running the company, you know the financial health of the company. You have your community leader, and the extent that you're a better community, a stronger community leader, you have a better sense of what's happening in the community at the ground level. And then lastly, you're a publisher. You know, you you have the First Amendment obligations and what, what is attached to that. And often those, those hats can be in conflict with one another. But resolving and learning to resolve those conflicts is really what makes you a better publisher. And I just, you know, once I, he sort of instilled that in me early in my career, and as I got further along, that was ready for things like, Helping Haley Barber start the governor's commission after after Katrina and you know, and leading the tourism recovery planning effort, and then, you know, going over to Alabama and leading for Governor Riley the the all recovery planning efforts. We had over a thousand people involved in that effort. But it's each each step along the way. You know, the chambers and the United Way and all these things, and how they over time you get ready. So people have said to me this that, and I think John Harrison probably said it best. You got to do your reps as a member and as a volunteer, and then you kind of work your way up. You don't just hit these big organizations, you know, leading them. You, you do your reps. You, you begin to flex new muscles around what your role can be and how to lead in the community. And then what that does over time, you accrue lots of different experiences and then you're ready for the big, the big leadership roles like the Gulf Coast Business Council and things like that. Um, it's still, you know, with those, these people, these people that you get to see that I've seen throughout my career are the ones who are making this community tick. They're the ones who are contributing their time and energy in a volunteer role. They're the ones who are finding investment opportunities because there are strategic opportunities for this community, investing their hard to earn money in this community, but they're the thousand points of light. I mean, so many different people doing so many different things to build a great community. And you've been able to see that already. And it will be interesting to see where you go as it relates to your future community work, because again, once you get sort of addicted to what it means to volunteer your time, what it means to give your time to build a stronger community, it's hard to back away from that, isn't it?
3: It is. It is. It's, um. you know, when somebody asks something of you, it's hard to say no. And and quite frankly, I, I feel it is an obligation. I, I think those of us that are in a position of leadership, you know, professionally in the community, um, if we have talents that can better our community, we we are just obligated to give back. Um, and and again, I've I've said that before. I you know I was taught that at a very early age. Um, but if we didn't give back, if I used all my talents just to to create a successful business and you know and, and enjoy a good life, I, how empty would that be? You know, I I live and work in this community, and I want it to be as best as possible. And if I don't do it, who else is going to do it?
1: I I get that entirely. So you graduated. Uh, with a degree in economics from Millsaps in 2010. And you started as a financial advisor at Edward Jones in 2012. Um, Mm -hmm. And now we are 2021. It is amazing how fast time flies, isn't it?
3: It is. It is. It's crazy. Um, You know, just last month, my wife and I celebrated our fifth wedding anniversary. That's flown by. And as you know, just last week, uh, well, I take that back. The week before last, we had our first child. So. And I don't see it slowing down anytime soon.
1: Junie, Junie what a, Rose, what a what a beautiful name, man. Junie Rose. Um, yeah, I, I meant to say congratulations on the new baby. Of course, I've already said that to you privately, but I'll say oh. it on the air. What a you know? It's I mean, it seems like you guys just got married yesterday. I mean, time flies, man.
3: It does. Yeah, we got most you
1: know, of it. Here's the other thing. As you you know, you've you know my family well, but. Mm-hmm. Before you blink, you're going to have grandkids the age of your daughter now. It's amazing how fast how, how fast time flies. Uh, it is really amazing. But, you know, the thing is, that that's one of the reasons why you got to live each day like it's your last. You got to do the best you can today. You got to work hard to find your purpose today and make your mark today. You know, there are no guarantees about tomorrow, and there's certainly no need to have regrets about yesterday. You can't do anything about that. The one thing you can control is what's happening right now in your life, and what I like about what you're doing with your life uh, creates is you're doing everything you can to to make your mark and so you did the financial investor um, investment thing for or uh, you know for, you, you still do that obviously mm-hmm. but what point did you decide I'm going to start some entrepreneurial efforts
3: sure it's it's always been kind of in the background um, i you know I am one that, that doesn't, for lack of better words, doesn't play well with others. Um, you know, I got a great uh, foundation in the financial profession uh, going to work for the bank right out of college. But I learned pretty early on that, you know, having three or four different sales managers and bosses and it, that, that just is not a good fit for me. Um, so I've always been really independent entrepreneurial. You know, in high school and college, I ran a football summer camp for kids. And that was my, my summer job for six years or so. Um, so the entrepreneurial part has always been there. Um, my wife Colby shares that passion. Her um, her family is is um, a longstanding seafood family here on the Gulf Coast, um, and they've you know they've obviously been entrepreneurial. So she and I have been looking for something that we can work on together for some time. We've kicked around a million different ideas, um, and quite frankly, the epitome kind of just fell in our lap. Uh, we you know we were looking for something. Um, my wife, we, we were about to have our baby. We were looking for her to transition out of her nine-to-five job and uh, have a little bit more freedom. Uh, we stumbled across the epitome for sale on Facebook. Actually, uh, contacted the owner, and you know, obviously, I did all the due diligence, and, and we made it what we think is a really good deal.
1: And you, you're also starting a um, a men's a tailored menswear uh, uh, business. We'll we'll come back to that after the break because we're coming to the end of this segment. But this is Cree Can He's a financial advisor and entrepreneur and community leader here in Coastal, Mississippi, and it's just been a terrific conversation. When we come back, we'll learn about the other businesses going in, and then we'll talk about the pandemic and how it's kind of changed the world. We'll be back after this.
0: Also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, "Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast." Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
2: Back
1: to we have Cree Cantrell with us and uh, have, just having a terrific conversation about how he became who he is today. Yeah, you know, Cree, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, and I always make sure that I talk about this with each guest, Koshu is about celebrating people. It's about celebrating the people who are making a difference in our community. We are so lucky to live in this place in this moment, aren't we?
3: Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I've traveled fairly extensively. And when people ask about the you know, coastal Mississippi, i tell them it is absolutely the best place in the world to live. Um, hands down, 100 um, percent. There's a lot that goes into that. But, you know, my take on it has always been Biloxi specifically. Um, we do a great job of combining the intimacy and relationships of a small town with the Amenities and and glitziness, if you will, of a large city. You know, I don't know any other place on earth where you can literally know everybody in town, walk into a restaurant, know the owner. You know, um, but we have world class resorts, uh, and booming tourism business. That's a mix that nobody else has, uh, and should be celebrated. To your point,
1: I can't agree more. I can't agree, and, uh, and the and the potential going forward is super enormous. Hey, I want to talk about the pandemic, but we mentioned you you and your wife buying the epitome. And you have another business that you're going to be starting as well. Tell me about that real quick.
3: Absolutely. That's a custom men's and women's, but primarily focused on men's clothing line. Um, It's called Colby after my wife. She is the um, she's really the driving force behind that. Um, So the concept is is very similar to your Tom James and Jay Hilburn's of the world. in that, you know, my wife provides, um, you know, services and measuring takes 30 plus different measurements helps you select your fabric and really create a garment that's, that's tailor made for you. So I I joke often, you know, we have a cigar shop. Now we have a custom men's clothing shop. If I can just nail down a liquor store, I'll have all (laughs) three devices at wholesale. There,
1: there, there you go. There you go. So Cree, the pandemic, um, it's been interesting. I I was going to share, let me share this with you real quick. This, this one, I think fits so well. And it's something that, that, uh, um, Angela Geis Tearson, uh, who's from, from coastal Mississippi, from Biloxi. She's been on the show before. That's Ree Geis' daughter. And she's a very, very successful producer in, um, in, in Hollywood now. She's doing amazing work. But she posted this. It's from When's Happy Hour? That was the website. But here's what it said Happy one year anniversary to what I thought would be my two week relationship with Zoom. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, it's amazing, first of all, that an an entire year has passed by with the pandemic. But, you know, we're so darn resilient. You know, once we sort of understood what living in the pandemic moment was all about, uh, we figured it out and we kind of made life work the best we could. You know, that was thank God we were in Mississippi because in some other communities, they're still locked down, which is which is amazing to me, actually, that they couldn't find a way to live life in a pandemic. What's your thoughts about that?
3: You know, I couldn't agree more, Ricky. Um, as I said, we've, we've traveled a good bit and I've got clients, you know, on the financial side all across the country. Um, and like everybody else in the business, we've had to do most of our business virtually. And so I talk to them and, and try to find out what life is like in their part of the world. And you're exactly right. In many cases, they're still locked down. So I'm very proud of our local and state leadership for for following the guidelines that need to be followed, but doing so in a way that doesn't totally stifle, you know, small businesses. Um, You know, we've if I'm not mistaken, I want to say, you know, when things sort of opened up here on the coast in like June or July, I I feel like I heard a report that our tourism business was like as strong as it's ever been, Um, you know, which is which is really a testament to our leadership here.
1: Yeah, the number, here's, here's the way, here's where it was. And we've had the tourism f- folks here many times. It's down. But compared to other communities like ours, man, we were leading the pack. And if you look at Mississippi as a whole, one of the best tourism recoveries in the United States. Now, not where it was, but unbelievably strong. I mean, like one of the top in the in the nation in ter- terms of uh, recovery. If you look at Mississippi as a whole, not just tourism involved, Look at Mississippi as a whole since the economy opened back up again. we're like number three in the nation in terms of, of overall economic recovery. and so uh, that sort of makes a statement about how you had to go for it I and mean, if you did listen, if we were to locked down, I can't believe there are still kids that aren't going to school in America in some places. It's amazing to me my my, my daughter's a teacher and uh, in schools my, my grandkids have been in school since they reopened the schools and thank God they've done that. We've got great administrators here. We could go spend a whole uh, day talking about that, but it, it is amazing how resilient we are. And I think coastal Mississippians in particular, because of what we've been through in the past, we're even more resilient. Don't you think?
3: Yeah, I do. I do. And in fact, I was, you know, I was referencing that with a client back early in the pandemic. You know, obviously we saw the big market correction in you know, March of last year, and I was kind of likening it to a hurricane. Um, in that, you know, this is not a, a big systemic, you know, economic problem. You know, prior to this to this pandemic, GDP looked great, market was doing well, unemployment was at all time lows. This is much more like a hurricane in that we just need to Pick up the pieces, clean up the beach, rebuild some houses, and we're back open for business. Um, and, and it appears that we're now moving towards that point. So for South Mississippians, this is kind of part of the course. It,
1: it really is. It really is. Well, we're coming to the end of our time together, Cree. But it's been a pleasure to, to catch up with you. We, we, we keep up with each other through social media. I see you around from time to time. But, you know, I've always admired you as a young leader. And uh, I wish you well, you know, as a new father. You know, in your new businesses uh, and all all of your endeavors, and especially in your community work, I, I look forward to watching you in your community work because you're you're going to continue to make uh, an impact here in custom Mississippi for many years to come. So have have a great day, my friend.
3: Thank you, Ricky. Thanks for having me on. It really really is an honor and a privilege.
1: It's been it's been a pleasure. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.
3: A Super Talk
0: Mississippi Media Production.